Hey, what's up everybody? My name is Takaya Hutton and I'm on staff with Campus Outreach at Northern Kentucky University, Go Norse. And I just wanted to welcome you to this seminar. So glad that you chose to tune in or listen in through the podcast form or however you're consuming this today. Um, I just really hope that through this you get some really good uh, things from it and you leave with a more refreshed perspective on who God is and what his character is. Um, and if you see me looking down over here, my notes are just right in front of me, so that's what I'm looking at. Um, and as you might have seen from the title clicking on this video, the characteristic that I want us to focus on today is God's goodness. And that is something that can be really hard to think about, especially in a year like this. Like this year has been crazy. Our lives have been crazy. Like it's just really wild. So, um, I want us to really, I want to really help us look at how to know that God is good and continue to trust him because of that. So first, I want to state that God's goodness or the fact that God is good is a truth of the Bible. However, why do so many of us find that really hard to believe or we struggle to believe it on a day-to-day -day basis? Well, I think the, one of the answers for this is just looking at the world, the reality of the world around us. So just some things that we can see if we look at the circumstances of our world are things like bad things happening to good people. We see sickness and death, which is something that has been very prominent in 2020, a very sad reality for many of us. Um, we see poverty and homelessness. So there's people that are not even able to provide for basic needs, places to sleep, meals, a place to bathe and clean themselves. People are going without these basic things. Um, and we also see discrimination and abuse throughout the world. So whether that's um, because of age, financial situation, gender, race, we see all these things and they are um, hard realities, very harsh realities that we've seen, we've all seen in some way or we've all experienced in some way. So being surrounded by all of this can make us feel like there's no other truth that is guaranteed in this world outside of the fact that there will be darkness and there will be brokenness. And that's really sad to think about. It's sad to think of a world void of goodness, you know? Um, but because of this assumption that this is the only thing that is guaranteed, many of us can tend to define general goodness as this, just a glimpse of light among the darkness and a refreshing distraction from the brokenness around us. However, this is more of a world-based definition because we're looking at reality and, and defining goodness by that. But I want us to look at a Bible-based definition and see um, what the Bible says about goodness and where it comes from. So first, I want us to look at Titus chapter 3, verse 3 through 5. And this says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. So there's, there's a few things. <laughs> there's some very intense and unfortunate language here about who we are as mankind. You know, we see um, adjectives like foolish, disobedient, hated by others, hating one another. Like that's very intense. 
But if you look at the world around us and the world that I just described a couple minutes ago, it's not hard to spot these traits in people. It's part of what the Bible talks about as our sinful nature. What separates us from a good and perfect God. But the great part about this verse is that the last line or the last line that I read says that the goodness of God appeared. So that means that God is the one bringing goodness to the table in the midst of the brokenness of mankind. We're not bringing it. So in order for someone to bring an attribute, um, say if I'm bringing a, a skill or an attribute or I'm bringing patience or, or um, gentleness to the table, I have to possess that attribute in order to display it and bring it to you all. Um, and so God is the same way. In order for God to bring goodness to us, he has to be good himself. So therefore, God is good, and the goodness brought to us comes from him. So let's look at Romans 8.28. Um, and this says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. So when this says all things, it doesn't just mean some things or all things within this context or whatever. It says all things. Things. That includes everything, good and bad, positive and negative, past, present, and future. And that's a lot of work. That's a lot of moving pieces to be working together for the good. So in order for God to be doing this, he has to constantly be working things around. He has to constantly be working things together. So we see here what the Bible says is that not only is God good and brings goodness to us, but that he's also constantly working things together for the good of those who love him, for our behalf. And looking again at this verse, it starts off with saying, and we know. And we know? Like, how can we be sure? How can we look at the crazy things that have happened in our world and in our lives and be sure that God is working things together for good? It can be really hard to wrap our minds around the truth that we should know, you know what I'm saying? Like we should, we should know that he's doing this, right? It can be really hard to wrap our minds around that when we compare it to the reality of the world around us and all the things that have gone wrong in our lives and in the lives of our loved ones. So to help us see how we can trust that God is good, I want us to take a look through the story of Joseph. So I'm just going to summarize this, but more details of Joseph's life can be found in the book of Genesis if you'd like to read it later. Um, so for now, again, like I said, it's just going to be a summary. A lot of details will be left out for time's sake, um, but I just want to look at his life so we can see how he fought to trust God through really hard circumstances. So to start off, um, tell you who Joseph is. Joseph is the son of a man named Jacob. And Jacob had 12 sons. Jacob, um, Joseph was number 11 of those 12 sons. And he was the youngest for a while before the 12th son was born. And God had a special plan for Joseph's life. Um, he had revealed to Jacob that Joseph is set apart. He's special. He has a special plan for him. Um, and so throughout Joseph's life, um, Jacob spent a lot of time with him. He even taught him how to read and write while his brother's while Joseph's brothers were out doing hard labor in the field. So he didn't work as hard, but he was constantly be being educated. Um, and even 
you know, on his 17th birthday, Jacob gave Joseph this beautiful multicolored coat. Um, and on top of this special treatment and not having to work as hard and getting this education um, separate from his brothers, Joseph had these symbolic dreams of his brothers bowing down to him. So as you can imagine, this made his 10 older brothers very jealous throughout Joseph's lifetime to the point that they were angry enough to plot killing him. Like that's how jealous they were. Um, and that is again another trait where we saw from Titus of that envy and malice. We see that being displayed in, um, in Joseph's brothers. So Joseph's oldest brother, Reuben, was against actually killing him. <laughs> so instead he suggested they throw him in a well instead. Um, and he planned to come back and get him later. Unfortunately, he didn't get to do that because the other brothers decided to sell him to Egyptian slave traders and lie about his death to their father. Um, so let's just first, before we go further, think about how Joseph must have been feeling. He's supposed to be special and, and set apart and all these things. And he's had this kind of um, physically easier life than his brothers. Um, and he probably looks up to them. He's the youngest, all these things. And now he's betrayed and separated from his family. Like I said, God had set him apart, had a special plan for his life. He's supposed to be this anointed child. But now he is abandoned by those who are supposed to support and love him. And on top of that, more practical things with him being sold to Egypt, he's going to a new place. So imagine how scared and confused he must be being taken off by Egyptian slave traders, scared, not knowing how they will treat him, what will happen. Um, confused as to why his brothers are doing these things like what's what's gonna be the next step of his life will he live will he survive um, and also going to a new country going to Egypt he's from Canaan um, and so that means that this is a new culture a new language new customs that he has to adjust to so he's dealing with the pain of his family and also the uncomfortability of conforming to a new place um, so that's just some things that Joseph has already gone through in his life and he's not even that old, like he's just experienced a pretty hard life already. And it's a very harsh sentence. So if we fast forward a little bit, we see that he is sold to the captain of the Egyptian guard, whose name is Potiphar. After working really hard for a while in his, um, in his palace, Potiphar noticed him. He was like, wow, you're working really hard. I appreciate what you do. Like, I'm going to promote you to be in control of everything in the palace, like all the affairs. Um, so things are finally looking up for Joseph. He is getting promoted. Yes, he's had this hard life, but it's like, okay, someone's recognizing that I, I do work hard. I, I am a good worker. I am a good person. Like, I, I now have some status that'll make my life a little less hard. Um, but it would be real easy if the story stopped there and it only lasted that long. But this good fortune didn't last too long for Joseph. So not only did Potiphar notice him and notice his hard work and um just the, the amazing guy that he was uh Potiphar's wife also noticed him and uh to kind of put it in more modern language Potiphar's wife tried to slide in Joseph's DMs and he blocked her and she was greatly offended by this rejection so in her offense and frustration she falsely accused him of assaulting her 
and he was thrown in jail. So, great for Joseph, right? So he's finally able to get some type of promotion and now he's thrown in jail. Um, and he was there for a while too. This was not a short stint. This was not, hey, slap on the wrist, you're, you'll be there for a couple days. He was there for a long time. Um, and so oh, as this long time passed, um, there, the Pharaoh of the land a while later started having these really disturbing dreams. Um, and one of his cupbearers, the cupbearer of Pharaoh, remembered that Joseph was wise and known for interpreting dreams when they were in prison together. So this is someone that Joseph had met already. He was in prison when he got there um, and was released beforehand, before Joseph was released. So per the cupbearer's recommendation, um, Pharaoh called Joseph to assist him in making sense of all these dreams. So Joseph interpreted the dreams and gave Pharaoh very valuable advice that would save his people during a famine. And as a thank you, he was given a new title and promoted to second in command over all of Egypt. Now, that's wild. Like, all of Egypt? Like, he went from, hey, my life is really hard, to being thrown in the well, to being sold, to, hey, I might have a little glimpse of light of being promoted, um, and then I'm back in jail again. But now I am second in command over all of Egypt. Like, I'm just right under Pharaoh. Like, that is crazy. So, um, with this new title and new position, um, his family actually ended up coming to Egypt during the time of the famine, and Joseph was able not only to feed them, but also bring them all to the palace to live for generations. Wow. Like, that's a lot. <laughs> like, just there's such a turnaround in Joseph's life. But I kind of want to stop with his story there. Um, even though those things are, are great, you know, this sounds like happily ever after, like a fairy tale ending. Um, but the truth of the matter is that all this started with the jealousy of his brothers, the family that returned to him in Egypt. Um, you know, the jealousy of his brothers that sold him into slavery. So you can imagine the feelings that would have come up after laying eyes on a family for the first time in about 30 years on the same family that betrayed you and that the last memory that you have of them is them selling you to other people um, and lying about your death. So um, this could well up some really, really hard feelings for Joseph, um, especially when you have a family coming to you asking for help to make their lives easier when your life has been nothing but hard because of them. But it's because of this hard, uh, this hard life and the hard dynamic of their family and their relationship it's because of this um, that made Joseph's response to them so powerful um, when they were wondering, like, hey, like, why, why do you forgive us? Why are you helping us? What, what is going on? Um, and this is Joseph's response. We're going to look at Genesis 50, verse 20. And Joseph says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So though it was hard, and hard is an understatement, <laughs> Joseph trusted that God was good throughout his life, not just in the good parts where he got promoted, but he trusted that God was actually good to me still throughout my life. And he knew that his fortune and his position in Egypt 
was not a lucky coincidence. Um, he had the right perspective. And he knew that God had used everything for his good. And that he could be in a position to bless a large population with food during a famine. Um, and bless populations of people not only in Egypt, but the surrounding areas and everything. So we're looking at like the fact that Joseph had such a hard life. And he's able to still keep this perspective that God is working things together for the good. Um, so he experienced a lot of things that he did not deserve and still kept that perspective. He knew that God was good and he trusted that God was good, even in hard times. So someone else that had the right perspective was Jesus. Um, and I don't want to leave you all without looking at what the gospel says about the goodness of God um, and Jesus' perspective of how God was working his situations here on earth for the good of him and all of mankind. So I wanna go back to that verse um, to those verses or that passage of scripture that we looked at at the beginning um, in Titus chapter 3. And we're going to read verses 3 through 6. This says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing and regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So every spring, we celebrate Easter, also known as Resurrection Sunday, because it's the day that Christians celebrate the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead. Before this, we celebrate Good Friday. However, at the time, everything that happened before Jesus resurrected felt dark. It was really hard to label that Friday that he was being killed as good. So um, it was hard for a lot of people, even his disciples, to see the goodness of God in what Jesus had to go through. But Jesus knew his father. He knew the truth that all things were being worked together for good. So through Jesus, God took the plans that were meant for evil, plans of sinners like us who were foolish, disobedient, full of hate, plans that caused Jesus to be mocked, brutally beaten, nailed to a criminal's, a criminal's cross as an innocent man, and ultimately killed. God worked those plans for good. And not just the good of Jesus, but the good of all of us. Jesus died the death that we deserve because of our sinful nature and rose with the power to forgive sin and offer us the free gift of salvation, which is an opportunity to be back in relationship with God through trust in Jesus' sacrifice or his death on the cross. So you may be asking, how do I have the right perspective then? Like, of course, Jesus, the son of God, like had the right perspective. He's the son of God. Joseph had the right perspective because, oh, everything ultimately worked out, whatever. Um, but how can I put that into practice if I want to start doing that and see things, maybe how Joseph did, and even though these hard things are happening, I can trust that God is good. How can I put that into practice in trusting God's goodness? Um, especially seeing all the pain and the terrible things going on in our lives and in the world. Um, these things have hurt us, right? 
Um, and we may have even hurt other people and carry shame and guilt from that. How does God work that for the good? <laughs> um, and for the good of us and for the good of everyone else around us. Um, so I just, I want us to look at scripture and see what it means for us to, to put that into practice and to maybe think of some, some promises that God has made to us um, to remind us that he is good in all things. So we're going to look at two verses from the Psalms. The first one is Psalm 23, 6. And this says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I said before that many people can feel like the only truth that seems to be guaranteed is that there will be darkness and brokenness in the world. The good news, or the gospel is what that word means, the good news for us um, and for those who trust in Jesus is that goodness and mercy are now guarantees. We are not just guaranteed darkness or brokenness. We are guaranteed goodness and mercy for trusting in Jesus. That surely at the beginning is a way that we can see that God is promising something to us. Um, so this is why we know from Psalm 23, 4, just a couple verses earlier in this psalm, that we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil because God is with us. We don't have to fear the darkness and evil in this world because God's goodness and mercy are with us. He has promised that they will follow us forever. And looking at another psalm, another promise of God, um, we're going to look at Psalm 84, verses 11 through 12. And this says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. We are promised that no good thing will be withheld for those who walk uprightly. By trusting in the goodness of what Jesus did, we are blessed in the fact that our identity has gone from the foolish, disobedient, and hateful to the ones who walk uprightly. Not because of what we did, like it said in Titus, not because of righteousness of our own, but because we are washed and renewed by Jesus and are now viewed as the ones who are called according to God's purpose, like I mentioned earlier in Romans 8, 28. Um, so that's amazing, right? So now our, our identity is different. For those who trust in Christ, like all these promises of goodness and mercy, no thing uh, being withheld, God bestowing favor and honor on those who trust in him. Um, remember I was talking about earlier, if Maybe we even carry shame from some bad things that we've done or said to other people. God still bestows favor and honor on that. He withholds no good thing uh, for those who trust in him. And blessed are, are those who trust in him. We're blessed for trusting in what Jesus did. Um, so just kind of ending this and wrapping this up, I want to um, just present you with a few questions to think about as you're thinking about like, how do I have this right perspective? Like, how do I take a hold of those promises and believe them for myself and um, think through those things? Um, I just want you to consider these questions in light of Joseph and Jesus trusting that God was working things together for the good of not just their lives, but the good of many others. For the fact that, again, um, Joseph was able to not just have himself elevated, but was able to 
also promote and bring his family along to, to live with him and be more fortunate and also bless others um, with, with the purpose that God had for him. He was one called according to God's purpose and knowing that God was good and trusting in God's plan um, and that God would work things together for the good in his life. Joseph was able to move forward trusting in who God was um, and ultimately was able to bless other people. Like God's divine plan for Joseph, his the special plan he had for him did not go to waste. No bad thing that happened to him went to waste and he was still able to fulfill what God wanted him to do. The same thing is with, with Jesus. No bad thing that had happened to Jesus as an innocent man had went to waste. And we are able, fortunately, to reap the benefits of that um, if we trust in what he's done. So um, just want you to think about these questions. Um, the first one is, what are some things that make it hard for you to believe that God is good? What are those things in your life that have been difficult, been hurtful, been really hard, been shameful even, that make, you, that make it hard for you to trust that God is good and that he can work it for good? Also, another thing to think about is how do you think you would have viewed God if you lived Joseph's life? before all the promotion, before being released from prison, before um, being favored by all these people, being second command of all of Egypt, how do you feel like you would have reacted or viewed God? Maybe you're in that place right now and there are a lot of bad things happening in your life and you don't really know how to view God right now. Like, how is that working for you? Um, and the last question is, how does the gospel, the good news of what Jesus Christ has done, how does that give you hope in God's goodness, despite how things may look around you? So you have those hard things. You're seeing the reality of the hard things in your life. But you know the truth of the gospel is that Jesus came to redeem everything. He died and his sacrifice covered our sins. It washed us. It renewed us. Um, and now we are in a position to where we're being viewed by God. Our identity now is the ones who walk uprightly, the ones who are called according to his purpose. Um, how does that gospel give you hope in spite of all the hard things? Um, so just think about those things. Think about those questions and um, continue to consider how you can see God's goodness in your life or how you can trust that God is still working things for the good um, in your life, no matter what's going on. So I will just pray for us um, and then you will be free to go. Dear Lord, thank you so much for um, just your word, Lord, the fact that you give us examples in the Bible that can show us your track record, that can show us um, just good records of who you are um, in the times that we don't see it in our own lives. I pray that you help us to look at our own lives and, and see the ways in which you've already um, worked all the good and bad things together for the good of ourselves and the people around us. Um, and I pray that if we're having a hard time trusting you, that you show us different ways, um, either in the people around us or in your word or whatever. God, I pray that you show us those ways that we can learn to trust you better, that we can learn to trust the character of your goodness that is a truth. Um, and God, help us to believe that if we're having a hard time believing it in this season, in this hard year, um, or because of our past. Um, so God, I, I thank you for those who've chosen to tune into this. I pray that you um, 
let whatever needs to stand out to them stand out. Um, and God, I pray that you give them great moments to process and think about these things in the future. Um, so again, God, we thank you. We love you. Um, it's in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Um, so thank you again for tuning in. I hope that you enjoy the rest of the Comeback Conference, and I will see you all later. All right. <laughs>